I always say, if you're being treated like an employee and you feel like an employee and you're on an outside contract, that's worrying. Hello, Hello hustlers. Welcome to that Freelance Life podcast, the show where we discuss the how-tos, the ins and outs, and the highs and lows of creative freelance life in London. I'm Brittany Beebe. And I'm Harris Stockwell. And we're creative freelancers here to guide you. Please note, we do recommend you try this at home. Welcome back to that Freelance Life podcast, guys. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in, listening in, dialing in. Um, here, listen. <laughs> dialing in is like dial-up internet. Hey, girl. <laughs> oh, my God. Can, do you remember the dial-up internet si- sound? And when you and then your mom would be like, get off the internet. I need to make a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> and no one could get through because someone was on the internet. Yes, exactly. Oh, my goodness. But... This ain't an internet chat. This is another thing that starts with an I called IR35. The thing that we were all terrified about for so long, it was put on hold during the pandemic. It was meant to come through and begin from April 2020. They stopped it for a year. It came into effect in April 2021. So these are the changes to the IR35 legislation. What is even IR35? Um, Look, from my experience, we have a certain amount of knowledge but it is why we created this podcast and get an amazing guest on to dive into this deeper with you but initially it well what we think and what it is is just stop people acting like they are permanent employees but they're benefiting tax-wise from having a limited company yeah so they are able to you know get all the great kind of benefits and perks of being a permanent employee so being treated to things like company away days maybe some paid leave, uh, you know, invited to the staff parties, uh, you know, things like not being able to really choose what you do day to day in your job, um, kind of no pushback is allowed either. But they have this like security of having a longer term contract. Exactly. But Uh, still managing to expense uh, things through limited companies. Then that kind of just goes completely against uh, the whole point of being a limited liability company is that you keep yourself removed from other businesses. And you're meant to be your own boss. Exactly. So one thing that does come into effect with IO35, it's only applicable to companies that have more than 50 employees or companies that are turning over, and this is obviously subject to change. I know the tax year has just flipped over uh, now in April, but I think at the moment it's an average turnover or annual turnover of more than a million pounds for an agency. So if they're below 50 employees or they're turning over less than a million pounds a year, then they are exempt from having to um, do IR35. The difference as well is that we previously had to self-determine IR35. So as freelancers, it was up to us as to whether we saw ourselves as inside or outside. The honest is now falling on the agencies to determine the contract status. And we found in the beginning, everyone was so panicked about IR35 that they just kind of blanketed everyone. They were like, oh my God, everyone's... It's inside. It's easier just to say inside. Yeah. And because they just don't want to be, obviously... I don't know, found out or don't want to deal with any repercussions if it's not according to yeah. like the right law, if it's outside. Didn't want to take the risk on. Yes, exactly. And so that um, is a lot more water to kind of wade through when you've all your freelance life kind of been outside and now suddenly you're struggling to get work because they're all panicking about being inside. And what does that mean for you? And I mean, so many questions and we'll dive into them. 
Absolutely. So Harriet and I have not taken any contracts that are inside IR35. This has been a personal decision for us um, as a partnership. We strive to only take outside contracts. There's a couple of reasons why we do this. We want to maintain our limited company status. That's really important for us. So, you know, Harriet and I, we work together. We also sometimes take on jobs alone. Um, you know, it's really important for us to keep those those businesses that we've created um, and put so much time and energy into flourishing. And we also, um, it helps not to be chopping and changing between inside and outside. We've been advised from mortgage brokers. It just kind of looks to a mortgage lender that you're not stable. Um, and also, I mean, to be explored some more but that has also knowing that we are in that we were in the process of buying houses we really don't want to be seen as undesirable as already we are being self-employed so we kind of just stick to one kind of terminology in our contracts we also obviously enjoy having control over our taxes and our income and our business finances it is a great perk being a limited company being able to expense things to your business you know, your lunches while you're working, those coffees, you know, your stationery, your, your laptops and things. If you, your you're buying internet, your mobile phone. Exactly. All of these things are tax deductible when you are a limited company. We have actually managed to push jobs that came in as inside to be outside. And it's not always the case that everybody can do this. Um, but we have really tried rigorously to get all the knowledge we can on IR35 so that when something does come inside and we are really keen to do it, we kind of question why they blanket us being inside. And a way in which that we can prove to them how we maintain being outside is, you know, one, we prove we, a, we work on our own equipment. This work from life, work from life, work from home life has helped benefit in the fact that we're not bound to having to come into their offices. So that's a win. And the main issue that kind of becomes the thing is providing a suitable alternative if you can't do the job. So if you are sick or gone on holiday, the beauty about Britnight is we are two. Exactly. We have one another to rely on. So obviously we don't have all the answers when it comes to IR35. And so to help us all understand the ins and outs of IR35, we chatted to James Orpin, the VP of Sales at UnoJuno. You know Juno is the UK's number one freelance management platform and also happens to be our number one platform to run our projects through. And for those of you who don't know, You Know Juno is the chosen freelance management platform for thousands of clients to manage their compliance, contracts, payments, and everything in connection with their freelance workforce and associated recruitment networks. James is responsible for the sales and growth marketing teams driving the continued year-on-year -year growth of this rocket ship of a business, as well as part of the leadership team finding the solutions to businesses, freelancer workforce headaches across the globe. James was incredibly knowledgeable about IR35 and had us leaving the chat feeling more empowered to go into IR35 with our heads high. So without further ado, James, James Orpin. James, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you for your time. Nice to meet you both. Thank it you for having me. Thank you. It would be so awesome to actually get a little bit of background. You are. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Brittany and I, we utilize your services, you know, Juno, but it would be wonderful just for listeners. Who are you and what's your background? Okay. Um, so I'm James. I'm the um, VP of sales here at you know, Juno. 
Um, so you know Juno for anyone who doesn't know uh, is two things. It is a, a creative and tech marketplace for clients and freelancers to find one another um, and do some great work with each other and taking out the, the pain for both sides, um, f- mainly for freelancers from a point of view of most probably getting paid on time. And for clients, it's about finding that talent nice and quickly. Uh, the other part of our business is that we're actually a freelance management system. So we have a number of clients who utilize our services to manage all of their workforce. And that can be anything across creative and tech, but also things as we've got yoga teachers on the platform uh, and loads of other things really? as well. So, yeah. That's amazing. I had no idea. <laughs> Great. So let's dive right in. So we're here to chat to you about the big, scary IR35. So what is it? Why was it brought in? And why now out of all out of all years in the history of the universe? <laughs> why us? Why now? Okay. So, so IR35 isn't actually as new as you think it might be. So IR35 actually started in the year 2000 under a Labour government. They introduced it. And for the last, what came in last year, was that 20, I'm losing track of the year. 2021. 2021. So for those 21 years in the private sector, it was aimed at you guys, right? So every contract that you've had from the year 2000 to the year 2021, you should have been undertaking a R35 assessment on every single contract that you've ever had. When HMRC did their uh, due diligence on this, I guess, um, it turned out that they believe that 10% of freelancers or contractors, whatever the, the, the population wants to be called, were actually doing this. Now, when we actually surveyed our freelancer base, that was more like 1%. Yeah, I've never even heard of, even heard of it, it, right? No, not at all. So, so I think, you know, when you say why now, it's actually been around for a very long time. Um, but the educational side of it is something that we've, we've, we're trying to do as much as possible and trying to help you guys as freelancers to really try and understand what you can do because it's now no longer your responsibility. It's the client's responsibility if you're working with a medium to large company. Um, if you work with small companies, then it's still your responsibility. Right. And as, what, cl- what classifies a small company? That's a turnover of under a million pounds a year or something like so, that. So there's three There's three things. So one's based on their turnover, the other one's employee headcount, and the other one's in relation to their balance sheet. So dependent on, I think it's two out of the three. If you're two out of the three, so if you're a small company with a small turnover, then it's basically back onto the freelancer to be doing their due diligence, working with their accountant to figure out when they should be taxed at source. And um, why suddenly did it change from solely being on the freelancer, whether it was a small company or a big company, now it's to the big company? Yes. So, uh, well, so it always used to be just on the freelancer. It, the, reason, the reason why HMRC said, look, we'll put, it, we'll put the responsibility on the larger company, two main reasons. One is that they believe that there's over £1.4 billion worth of unpaid tax. Um, that's one. And the second one is it's easier for them to go after a finite amount of companies than it is the 3 million freelancers who are structured as personal service companies or Fair. however many there are. Yeah. I mean, how much Fair. resource do they have to like chase 3 million individual yeah. people? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> so I think you've actually answered then what exactly HMRC are trying to stop, which was our next question. But then I guess ultimately the question becomes, if you don't adhere to these rules, what happens? Can you get into trouble? Can you claim ignorance? So there's been a there's been a year since obviously it came into the private sector. And I guess it was like a, I wouldn't say I'd call it a soft launch, but you know, clients have been given a bit of leeway, let's just say, to try and get their house in order to make, because it's a, it's a big process change. Mm-hmm. And we've actually found it to be in quite a lot of companies where they've had a process to date of bringing and working with freelancers. 
they've then just tried to chuck this thing on top and it's been really horrible for everybody involved and it hasn't worked for a lot of companies. So HMRC, in their eyes, most probably gave people an opportunity or gave companies an opportunity to try and fix that. Um, in terms of the trouble that they can get into, essentially, you know, th there are penalties. Um, if it's, and, it, and that can be obviously on the freelancer side or on the client side, depending on the client that you're working with, if that makes sense. Um, but on the client side, then the penalties can be can range from, hey, you just must pa pay the taxes that are owed mm. through to a penalty on top. Um, it's not like GDPR where there's a set percentage. It's just, you know, it can go from, I believe it's uh, the tax owed plus the penalty can be double the tax owed. Wow. Um, but the bigger thing, I think, is reputational damage. Yes. So you would be seen as tax dodgers, tax avoidance. Yes. No company wants that. And of course, and you're red flagged then, right? Yeah, exactly. A... And like, it's just not a good look. And from a freelancer's perspective, it's it's very much that, you know, if you look at uh, the ones that have gone through the courts recently, I think there was one recently with Adrian, was it Adrian Charles? But there was a famous one with Lorraine Kelly, for example, okay. where um, she, she appealed it and she won. But it... it all of that stuff was on them as freelancers, as contractors, mm. okay? And there was some huge numbers being banded about and like, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of unpaid tax. So um, yeah, it can be it can be a real sting in the tail if you don't get it right. So if one of your contracts flagged to HMRC that you weren't compliant, then they have the ability to go back and look at all of your contracts. So they would potentially do that. Yeah, well, uh, it's a real gray area. And uh, uh, as I said to you two before, before this started, <laughs> I guess is that we can't like, we're not tax advisors, we're not accountants in any way. The, the, the thing that HMRC will look for would be, you know, if there's, if there's general non-compliance, then they are well within their rights to investigate they are HMRC. So what they what they can do is most probably, you know, there's a lot of talk about can they go back? Yes. Will they, won't they? Yeah, we read something like 20, 20 years they can go yeah, back. Yeah, it's HMRC, right? At the end of the day, they can most probably do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there are no, yeah, so we, we don't really know that yet. I think the thing to bear in mind is if you're if you're a large company, if you, if you think about this from their point of view and the company that they went after the, the most, the beginning was the BBC, I believe, not all the people who were working at the BBC, because where where do you find a load of contractors or freelancers? Mm. The BBC is a good place to start. So, you know, it's going to take a time before it kind of comes down. And But hope, hopefully people are getting more educated and will not run into problems. And I think the main thing for clients is most probably just having a good process. And from a freelancer's point of view is just having a really good understanding of inside, outside of R35. Yeah. And that actually brings us perfectly onto the next question because what is, what does inside versus outside RF35 actually mean? So if you're found, or not you, if the contract, okay, so this is always about the contract and not about you as an individual. So it's always about the contract that you're working. And a contract can either be inside or outside of R35. If it's inside, it basically means that it's been deemed to be that you're working like an employee. And so that you should be taxed like an employee, so you're taxed at source. So you mean like someone permanent? It sounds like, it's almost like you're permanent, not really a freelancer. Yeah, just, yeah. So a, a full-time employee, yes, that, that that's that's kind of like the definition would be as if, you know, you're a full-time member of staff. Um, if it's outside, then, uh, and the, the, the contract, contract is structured in an outside way, um, and it's deemed to be outside, then essentially you carry on as you were most probably if you weren't even aware of R35 
two years ago and you will pay, you know, you'll be paid gross and then it's down to you to sort out your own tax affairs at the end of the financial year. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. I guess, what then are the pros and cons of being inside versus outside? That's a really interesting question. Um, I'd say the, the pros and cons, like if you're inside, essentially, you will be taxed at source. Now, there's multiple different ways that can be done. You can be taxed in source via going via the company's payroll, so fixed term contract, PAYE. And you are then entitled to company benefits, for example. If you want to continue working uh, in an inside contract via your personal service company, so a limited company, then you can you can do that via a method called deemed employment, and that's for tax purposes only. So you get none of the benefits. And then if you go through an umbrella model, let's just say you go to an umbrella company, then you're employed by the umbrella company, so you're taxed at source again. But there, you know, you get the benefits again of certain things like holiday pay, sick pay. So there are certain benefits, and I think you just need to weigh up. And the one bit, um, like when I say we can't give advice, the one piece of advice I most probably can give is, as a freelancer, the thing to really think about is if you're open to inside and out outside contracts, you can. It's best to set an inside rate and an outside rate, and think about okay, well, when I'm inside, this is the rate that I that I work to, and this is the vehicle that I use to 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 do that through yeah 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 it, it's it's the one thing that we sometimes always talk about is being inside and you get those company benefits it's almost like then is there real point in then being freelance I mean yes it means you can probably like have a bunch of different contracts and you can move around a lot and you're not stuck to one permanent place but if you're not getting the benefits of being self-employed in terms of you know the freedom of movement plus um, all the tax benefits and having your own business and things like that, setting your own hours, setting your own hours, um, taking as much leave as you want, you know, um, <laughs> you know what, what what then is the point in like the difference of being inside IR35 or just be, being a permanent employee? So I think the main thing to think about here is it's it's only for tax purposes it's not it doesn't stop you from doing anything else right so you can still pick, pick and choose where you work and for how long and if, you know you, you might you might you could still accept a contract with no notice period and choose to you know you see something else that comes forward and actually oh, i'm going to leave this one and i'm going to go to that one I'm not saying you do that but you know you have options still so i i, I see it much more as you you still have the ability to run your company. And I think what we've tried to do here at you know, Juno is to give freelancers the freedom to choose the way that they structure themselves. So you can still run your personal service company in an inside contract. You'll be taxed at source for tax purposes only. There are no benefits in that sense if you do via deemed employment, but you're still being paid into your personal service company. Then you just work with your accountant at the end of the year to say, these are the contracts that I did inside and these are the contracts that I did outside. And then you, he or she won't, obviously you won't be taxed twice. I wouldn't look at it in the sense of saying, you know, the benefits of being employed versus not employed. I think the benefits, you've still got them all. It's just that one contract might have, you know, it's it, it's less to do with, oh, I need to start at nine and finish at five. It's most probably more about the control that they have over you when when you're doing that work. So your tip on having a rate for the IR35 inside or outside that then maybe is beneficial because then you can set a rate for outside and inside that benefits you and the tax. I'm getting that right. Inside IR35, you could maybe charge a different rate to balance out the tax you would have to pay on that. 
essentially, if you're setting an outside rate, okay, you're getting the full amount, you're getting the whole amount gross, and then your accountant will be sorting out your taxes at the end of the financial year in accordance with, you know, most probably how you've sorted yourself out of paying, paying yourself and then taking dividends, okay? So they'll take care of that. When you're inside, um, essentially, as I mentioned before, there are the, the different models in terms of you could go via a fixed term contract, PAYE, you could go via deemed employment through your personal service company, or you could go via an umbrella company. Each and every way, the tax has got to be paid. And when we talk about tax, there's the tax that we're not talking about the freelancers tax, we're talking about the employer's contribution. Okay, so it's illegal for any company, okay, to take the employer's contribution from the freelancers day rate. So you can't say, well, I'm normally 350 pounds a day. And the client says, okay, well, you're normally 300 pounds a day, I'm going to take, I need that to also include our employer contributions, employer and um, employer national insurance and apprenticeship levy. They're not allowed to do that. So what, what we've done within the platform and what and again, it differs on the different structure, but let's just take deemed employment. So you're working through your personal service company. Instead of it being called your day rate at 350, we, there's, there's, a, there's now a, a level above, which is called the client assignment fee. And what we're encouraging freelancers to do through a calculator that we've got in the platform is to say, well, if I'm 350 normally, my Inside day rate, I need to basically just add the apprenticeship levy and the employer's taxes, which is roughly 14.3% to that number. And then that becomes the client assignment fee. And you as the freelancer are setting the client assignment fee. Then the taxes come off. Then that's the employer's taxes. Then you're left with the 350, which is your day rate. And then your personal taxes come off after that. So it's quite difficult in terms of trying to get your head around it. Um, we have loads of really helpful articles on, on our website for people to, to dive in and have a look about uh, how, to, how deemed employment works. Another example um, is if you were to go through an umbrella company, they, the, because you're employed by the umbrella company, it's the umbrella company's uh, responsibility because they're your employer to, play, to pay the employer's national insurance, right? So you as a freelancer, you'll say I'm 350 pounds a day. That's all well and good. You do your timesheet. When you finished your timesheet, um, you are paid, you know, that that adds up to, I should have most probably used 300. <laughs> it's probably easier. So let's, 300, you know, you've done, you've done four days, let's say in that week, that's 1,400 pounds. It goes through to your umbrella company. They will charge you a fee when you submit that timesheet, okay? And that fee is either, like, let's just say it's 20 pounds or it's a percentage of the, the amount. And what that fee's doing is it's basically paying the taxes because the taxes have to be paid by someone. And it's not it's not coming out of your day rate, again, because that's illegal, but it's a fee that's called like an admin fee, let's just say, that's then coming from you. So that's why we would always just say, if you're, if you're structured as a personal service company and you have an inside contract, first of all, figure out how you're comfortable working. Do you want to work for your PSC and be taxed at source that way through deemed employment? Do you want to work through an umbrella company and be taxed at source via the umbrella company and pay them a fee? Or where it arises, you could maybe go via PAYE and again, direct, you know, pay, pay the taxes that way. So you, there's a number of questions that you do have to ask yourself as a freelancer. So there's a long-winded answer. As I said, there's a load of help articles that, that we have on our website that helps freelancers try and understand the best way to structure themselves. I think that's so helpful because I think one of the biggest things we got scared about was 
oh my gosh, we're going to lose most of our day right now because we're going to be inside and we're going to have to have all these deductions. So it's great to know that you have that calculator on your platform and know that also that it was illegal to take it all out of your so day the, rate. Yeah, the, the, the way to think about it would be, and because the whole thing's a negotiation, right? So let's just, if we keep using the example of 350 pounds a day, okay? So the client might just say to you, I've only got 350 pounds a day. That's That's all I've got. Right. And you then as a freelancer have to make a decision, which mm. is if it's inside, okay, and it's 350 pounds a day, you then know that the client assignment fee in the world of working for a deemed employment method, essentially that includes 350 is the is now called the client assignment free, not the freelancer's day rate. Mm. Their taxes then come off. And let's just say that once that's come off, you're left with three hundred and two pounds or something let's just say so then that comes off so your day rate becomes 302 so the whole thing's a negotiation the client will have a budget and you will have a rate that you're willing to go to and and that as i said there's no kind of you could say well i'm normally 350 but with your taxes it takes it to 390 okay fine well if the client agrees to that then great if they don't then they could say well i could go to 375 and then you know that once their fact once their taxes have come off this is what you're getting, which might be 320 mm. instead of your 350. So our calculator is there for both you, the freelance, and the client to try and transparently work that out. And the one thing I think we've tried to support freelancers and clients from is this whole notion of that I was 300 pounds a day and now I need to be 450 to pay for all the taxes. Because if I wear my client hat for a minute, that doesn't really stack up in their world. And actually most probably means that what you're trying to do is get to a point where you get 300 pounds once you've paid all of the taxes. So yeah, it's, as you can see, the education piece is really important, but also quite tricky mm. and might not be easy to convey. <laughs> in a podcast, <laughs> lots, of artic- lots of articles we'll on their website yeah. and tools. But I like that you mentioned that there's a tool that you can use to calculate these things as well. Yep. So if you're a, free, if you're a freelancer on, you know, do you know, there is a basically a link uh, to um, a calculator, and essentially you can play around with the numbers. And, uh, and as I said, the one piece of advice I will give is, as a freelancer, I would heavily recommend that you have an outside rate, like you most probably all do when you first started freelancing. You said, "Well, this is how much I charge." Well, just think about it now that having an inside rate that you now know, and and that's what you charge. It just to also say this is something that we're catching up with because the US. I've had this for decades. Oh, oh really? Yeah, so similar model of this. And it's just normal now yeah. over there. So, and it has been for a very long time. So, yep. IRS 35. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to be getting on the wrong side of HMRC, USA but 35. even them, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've established that you are legally able to move inside and outside between contracts. Is there any reason that you wouldn't want to flip-flop back and forth? We've been chatting to mortgage brokers because we're in the process of buying houses at the moment. And... Something that mortgage brokers have flagged to us is that it doesn't look great from a lending perspective for banks to be lending money to people who are moving inside and outside and are sometimes deemed employed and then also sometimes not. Our experience from the, on, on the side of mortgages is that, and we haven't really heard too much about this, but is that the mortgage company will look for more regular income than anything else. So they're, and over a number of years, right? So they're not looking at, how much that was one month to the next month to what well, it might figure into part of their calculation, but they're not looking at where you tax, where you not tax. They're just looking for regular income. So if you are, let's just say you, you are outside of R35 and you're paying yourself 
right? Um, now, if you're only paying yourself a small amount, then that's what they're going to take into consideration. If you're paying yourself a larger amount, then they will take that into consideration. And so the amounts might vary, but all they're looking for is, um, you know, that, that kind of regular income. Yeah, that's what I would say on that. We haven't heard too many things around uh, that being an issue, but yeah, your and, research might be more. And HMRC don't really have an issue if you're bouncing between in and out. No, well, I mean, like from their point of view, um, the HMRC are never going to go after anyone who's on an inside contract because yeah, uh, they're, they're getting their taxes, right? That, that's the way that they've built this to work is that you can go inside to outside and it's based on the contract, the way you work with the client more so than anything else. Um, and it's, yeah, I would say it's, it's that, that's what it's been built for. It's just really gray and it's really hard for everybody to, I think it's not, it's not black and white. It's 50 so. shades of IR35 gray. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so currently, from judging from, you know, Juno, I mean, are you seeing contracts falling mostly inside or outside? And, and, and why do you find that? Yeah, so our data of all the contracts that flow through our platform at the moment points to 77% of them being outside. Oh, wow. a high, high. proportion. Um, I think some of that relates to um, essentially the industry that we're in. So we're in a very highly skilled professional industry in that kind of creative and tech world where, you know, clients are working with you guys essentially to deliver on specific projects or, you know, you've got a skill that they really need that they don't have in their business already. So that forms part, you know, quite a large part of it. Um, and I think the, the, the other part is that, you know, these, the way that uh, the case law has fallen so far with HMRC not winning as many based on maybe what tool they're using or if in-house lawyers are doing things. Any decision that HMRC, if you get taken to tribunal, for example, it's never based on what tool you used. It will be based on what case law says. And case law is kind of on the side, on, on the outside at the moment because there's been so many people who either overturned or won or um, HMRC haven't won many cases. So that's maybe another side to it. But I, I'd heavily lean it more towards it being on the professional freelancing side of what the creative and tech industry offer to clients. If you were, the analogy I always use is, um, or the example I use is, if you are, if we were working with, um, let's just say some, I don't know, some admin assistants or virtual assistants and people like that who are heavily under supervision, direction and control, let's just say, um, they're more likely to be inside because they're doing a job like an employee would. Um, they're skilled, yes, but are they professionally skilled? Um, I'm not going to say that they're not, um, but not so much maybe as someone on the creative and tech side. With this big IR35 change that's come about, how have you seen it affect business for freelancers and, and agencies that they work for? So I think from a freelancer's perspective, a lot of confusion. And actually some of that is bred from maybe education for one. Secondly, I think the information that they sometimes get from clients because the client's education is maybe not as high, is is then detrimental to the freelance because then they hear something, you hear something from the client, which is actually maybe wrong. Um, so I think there's a the education piece is something that we've seen in the last year that we get, we get less questions now through our support channels than we got a year ago, a lot less around our 35. And I think that's because we've been trying to educate people more and more. 
In terms of what it's actually done, I mean, as I said, most of the contracts on our platform, 77% are outside. So, you know, that's that's good news for a lot of freelancers. A lot of freelancers want to work outside. Um, where I think some of the, let's say friction maybe, is with some larger clients where they've taken the decision that actually they are no longer to work with personal service companies. So it doesn't matter what, so as I was saying before about having your day rate of inside versus outside and the different structures that you can have. If a client deems that they're not going to work with any personal service companies as freelancers, they will basically say, well, you all have to, you know, like we're not working with personal service companies. We will only work with you if you either a PAYE or your via an umbrella company. And that's the decision that a lot of banks, big corporates, pharma companies, we've got, got quite a few of those companies who use our platform. And I, that, that, that's caused a lot of confusion. But at the end of the day, it's effectively just saying, well, I'm inside because I'm being taxed at source, so I'll just use my rate. So as long as you have your rates, really the confusion, you know, you can try and bring that confusion down. So. Yeah. And the personal service companies, just to be clear, is that meaning limited companies or is this Correct. also for sole traders as well? No, so the sole traders are self-employed. Uh, PSC is basically if you're a limited company. So, so a sole trader service. wouldn't generally have inside or outside? No. So sole traders are effectively, there's something on their side called SDC, which is supervision, direction and control. And that's very similar to R35, um, but it's something that's been around for a long time. That's on, that's, that's on the client side anyway. So it's the client's risk that they have to manage. Um, when clients use Juno, Juno, we actually take that risk on for the client so we've built into our platform some questions that the client has to answer and then it flips it over to the freelancer to also answer those client questions and essentially it's doing the same thing saying should you be employed should you not be employed for tax purposes um but it's not ir35 it is something different yeah so if we fall inside ir35 what kind of company benefits are we looking at here Harriet and I have turned down invitations to like the company Christmas party and things like that, just because we're nervous about being deemed inside IR35 and getting too close to like the mince pies at the Christmas <laughs> party as a benefit. <laughs> well, if, if you're working, if you're working at a large company, then it's not, it's no longer, and you're on an outside contract. Now you can obviously support them in trying to, to do the things that you think, you know, like, yeah, not, uh, not going to the Christmas party and things like that, but Remember, at the end of the day, that's if you're outside and you're with, working with them and they're a large company, then that's their risk. If they invite you to something like that, then that's on them potentially, yeah. right? Now, the whole thing, you know, you've mentioned a couple of things there around like benefits and Christmas parties and, you know, things like being able to eat things from the kitchen, small things like that, right? It there's no one thing within the whole world of R35 that's going to make something say it's inside or outside. It's really grey, and I think that's half the problem is that it's so complex. Yes. That really, there's no one thing that would actually ever change that. So, I think just having having your eyes open and knowing some of the big kind of like, you know, I always say if you're being treated like an employee and you feel like an employee and you're on an outside contract, that's worrying, mm. okay? If you're inside and you're being treated like an employee, well, that's fine, because that's what, what, what it's there for. But if you, if you feel like you're being treated as an employee, you should most probably think to yourself, I should be an employee. 
And then you can raise that to somebody and say, look, this is this is what I'm being managed in this way or I'm being you know, asked to do certain things that are not on my contract. Have those open and honest conversations with the client um, because at the end of the day, they could be getting their company into trouble without even maybe thinking about it because mm. the line manager might not really know anything about R35, let's just say. So yeah, there's a lot of things to think about, but yeah. just think about it in those simple terms is what I always say. If you feel like you've been in, uh, feel like an employee, you should most probably be taxed like one. Yeah. 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 Harriet and I also try and be a little bit more careful about the words we use when we speak to clients and agencies. So we'll say things like, I am going to be away for this time and I won't be available at these hours instead of asking for the time off or, or things like that. So we're a little bit careful with our terminology that we use as well. Yeah, I think, but by then you're most probably in the contract. Exactly. So it's kind of like, it's all the stuff that goes, well, not before that, but you know, it's the way that this whole thing is, it's so much about the way that they work with you, yeah. right? If you think, of, I'll give you uh, a date, let's use an example of, um, so someone brings me into their business and they say, here's a spreadsheet, here's the computer. We want all this data that's in this spreadsheet into these fields in this CRM system. We start work at nine and we finish at five. We lunch between one and two. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I feel like an employee. I'm being told massively what to do. Where if it's, I come in and they say, look, we've got this big problem with this data set. We need to get it over here. We're not sure how to do that. Um, we need your expertise to tell us what's the best way to do it and how we should be doing that. Then that, that that's totally different. It's a very different way to look at it. So, and again, that just comes back to, do I feel like an employee? Am I being told what to do? Have I got regular check-ins? Um, yeah. I love this. This yeah. is just clearing up so much. <laughs> yeah. I guess on the benefits of the inside as well. And maybe if you know you are someone who wants a bit of that security, getting paid for sick leave and getting paid for holiday leave maybe can give you that security. But if you have a contract, let's say in, inside IR35 for like three months, do you then only get the equivalent of what sick or holiday pay may be for those three months? If you are if you are PAYE, so if you are on a fixed term contract, or if you're working through an umbrella company, then obviously you get it for the period that you are doing that work, and that that's how that would align. Um, you don't get it for the full year, obviously, because you're not working there. So you've got yeah. an end date on your contract. Yeah, so it's just for the time that you're working there. You might not get the full like 20 days in three months. You yeah, know? you won't, definitely won't get that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, and, and just let's talk about actually, if you did want to actually fall outside of IR35, what could we do? What can a freelancer do to make sure that they fall outside IR35? I know it's down to the client at the end of the day and they present, but are there ways in which a freelancer can act too? Yeah, so there's no kind of silver bullet on that one. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, I think... Uh, it does come down to each specific contract and the way that the client wants to work with you. However, I think looking as much like as a business as you can. So, you know, got a website, one. I've got my own professional indemnity, my own public liability insurance. All of those things make you look like a business rather than just an individual who, you know, comes to do some work. And things like being very specific about what you're doing, what your outputs are going to be. But again, if the client doesn't work with you in that way, it kind of falls on deaf ears. So there are certain things, and like you know, you, you mentioned about your behaviours and the words that you use and how you communicate pre the kind of contract stage of them actually booking you. It can be, you know, I I think one of the 
the other pieces of advice that I can give is most probably is having those open and honest conversations with your clients and saying, look, you know, is there a way that this can be outside of R35 if we structure it in this way? Now they say, look, we don't work with people like that. We can't work in that way. Okay, fine. So that's fine. But having those conversations is part of it. Um, but there's no one kind of clear thing that's going to say, yes, you can, you know, you'll be outside if you work this way. It's going to come down to how totally more on the client side, unless you're working with a small client and then it falls to you. And then it's the way that you, then obviously it comes down to the way that you're still working with them. You might have a little bit more control over that. I don't know. Um, but there's no silver bullet. Okay. okay. So let's say an agency approaches us with a project that they want to hire us for. And it is a project that happens to fall inside of IO35, but we only work outside. What kind of words and like kind of terminology and things would we ask the agency in order to get them to potentially change that? Um, what are the things that we would need to flag with them to think about? That's, <laughs> that's a really good question. So I think, so it will come down to, so R35 is split into lots of different areas. So like mutuality of obligation being one of them. Uh, you've got like part and parcel. So how embedded am I into the team? Um, you've got uh, financial risk. So, you know, how much risk is there on you in terms of, so there's a lot of things you, you could talk around in terms of the structure and the way that the work's going to be done. Mm. Um, and again, it comes down to maybe the output. So you could ask around that. But at the end of the day, they they might they may or may not be able to do any of those things. And then it's again, comes down to a decision of, look, if I only work outside, but this is inside, then I've either got to take it or or not, right? So, wait for the next fair. one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a question for me to you guys would be yeah. actually like, how many, like in your, do you find there's a lot of freelancers who are, I only work outside, I don't work inside. Is that still, I say still a thing. Like we heard a, lot, a bit about it to begin with, but less recently, but. Yeah. We have yet to take an inside IL35 contract. Mm -hmm. We really, really try to be um, outside and through our research and looking and obviously this chat is also loads of research for us, but is seeing ways in which we do hold ourselves as our own entity. So we're our own business. We have that insurance. We have all our own equipment. We work in our own spaces. We're not bound to coming into an office, bound to certain hours. Yes, I mean, we've got a uh, set up meetings, have reviews and things like that, but we're not watched over. And mm -hmm. um, we really try to stipulate that in a way, um, I guess brings to the next contract. Like if, if that is how you're going to act, does there need to be things in the contract that stipulate that so you can order to be outside? Okay, so there's not, there's not one thing that's going to just say, right, this person's going to be outside. And again, it comes down to the way that they work with you rather than anything that's most probably going to be. Um, I think one, one thing that we've, we talk about a lot and we hear freelancers talking about a lot is the rule of substitution, especially within what we do with the creative and tech freelancers and contractors is normally clients are wanting to hire you as an individual. You're good at, you're good at your profession. Yeah, they, they want, want our brain. You. Yeah, and they <laughs> want you, right? Like they've seen some really great copy that someone's written. They don't want the person, you know, they want the person who's written the, the copy, not their friend. Mm, who they exactly. know because they might have a different style and it might not be right for the brand so the whole thing of substitution is really quite um is a real difficult one um but again it comes back to having those open and honest conversations with uh your clients and you know you, you were te you were telling me earlier about that you have a pool of contacts yourself you know if you make that aware to a to, to a client then that could potentially be something that 
is advantageous and, and helps. Again, it all comes back to getting in early and having that kind of open conversation about the ways of work and how they're going to work with you. Before you sign on the dotted line. <laughs> yes, we see that a lot. Uh, that I say a lot, actually. A lot of the beginning was that in April last year where contracts were agreed and then the freelancers say, well, hang on a minute, this is, this is inside. It's like, yeah, like, did you not read it? <laughs> uh, so, you know, you, you, you have to kind of, you know, read what's put in front of you. Do not, do not, you know, agree to something if you, if you disagree with it, uh, you know, and, and you've got an option to talk to somebody. You know, it's not, yeah, it can be quite tricky, but I would just say don't, don't just go into something with your eyes closed. Make sure you read stuff. Yeah, we creators tend to like not want to read the fine print. <laughs> We're very, I mean, we find that now just on this process of buying houses, the fine print involved. I'm just not that inclined. <laughs> it's really, it takes us hours and hours and hours. But yes, read the fine print is the main thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I, you, you haven't got to read it cover to cover, right? But you just need to go into it with your eyes open. On So it's the responsibility of the client for when you get your contract, there has to be, if you're a personal service company, um, or if they're held by R35 and you're structured in that way, it the R35 decision has to be th flowed through the supply chain. So if that's from the client directly to you, or in our case, the client through you know, do you know then to you, or if it's a recruiter, however it works, essentially that has to flow through to the freelancer. And that will need to be on the contract as to be inside or outside. And you need to go into it with your eyes open. So, yeah. So we have a couple of questions from our audience. Listeners actually wrote in on Instagram and we asked them what they wanted to ask and have answered. So let's go through those. The first question is, how long can I work with the same company outside IR35 before one of us gets into trouble? Yep. So, uh, so there's no magic answer on this one. If you're obviously embedded in the company, then again, back to my analogy of you look like an employee and you most probably should be an employee. Tenure doesn't really have a lot to do with R35. You could work with one client for five years, but you might also be working with five other clients, okay. right? So tenure doesn't always come into it. Um, it's not, you know, it's, it's more just about how the ways of working than yeah. anything else. Yeah, so... And, and what is, I think you touched base on it earlier, this SDC, the Supervision Direction and Control Certificate. And, and I mean, how does that relate to yeah, us? Yeah, so actually I saw this question, I know because you kind of very kindly gave me some of these questions before so I could have a, and I saw this one um, and I was having a read. And um, my first question was, so SDC is a thing, right? So SDC is for the self-employed, not for people who structure themselves as personal service companies. Okay. So it's, it's still a, it's something that uh, is a it's tax and it's about should this person be employed or not employed but it it's basically for the self-employed people out there if you're if you're you know if you're basically doing your self-assessment at the end of the year and you're structured as a sole trader SDC is the thing for you okay IR35 is for personal service companies I, but what, the, the other thing I was just going to add on that is I didn't know if someone meant to write SDS so, uh, okay. So, and if yeah, they did, it could, have so, could have been. So the SDS is essentially um, is when a client does their R35 assessment to get their inside or outside determination. What they're given once they've got their def the, their answer as to it's inside or it's outside, they get basically a PDF, and that PDF is called the SDS, 
which is what needs to be flowed through the supply chain to you guys so that it says this contract is inside and this is the reason why. And that's called the SDS. Okay, so I didn't know if that's what that question was meant to be. It could have been because I, we've seen that the SDS and that is how the open conversations start having because they go, oh, well, we've done this SDS and this is how it's deemed. Yeah. So, okay, that's very interesting. So I guess actually coming back to maybe one of your points earlier, one of the questions you could ask, you know, when you first start talking to them is preempt that and just say, have you done the assessment yet? Have you got your SDS yet? Can I see it? How have you determined it? Rather than waiting till it comes to the booking stage, you've discussed the project and then they do the assessment and it says oh, it's inside. And then you're like, oh, okay, now I've got to go back and talk to you about it. You could try and preempt that a little bit earlier and say, have you done the assessment yet? Mm. Yeah. Because once you've got the assessment, then you can specifically look at what is making you fall inside or outside. Potentially, and right? And then it can then open the conversation. Those. Exactly. Yep. So another question that we received was how much more should I be charging to cover additional taxes if I'm going to be working inside of IO35? But I do feel like we kind of touched on this earlier um, when we were chatting about it. Yes, no, we definitely did. And I think my my thing there is just, you know, having an inside rate and having an outside rate, being aware that when, if you're inside and dependent on what uh, structure you're working through, if you're working through your personal service company, your umbrella company that you've chosen to work through, or if it's PAYE, you know, just go into it with your eyes open thinking, okay, well, in certain cases, I need to add the employer's contribution on top to come with this client assignment fee. So I know what I should be charging because the taxes have got to be paid somewhere along the line. Mm. So, but it's, and that's, as I said, I would just use our calculator to have a look at that. I think it's a really good resource and read the information that's on our website. Umbrella companies are, again, very different and they've got a load of resources too. So see what works for you. Come up with an inside rate and an outside rate. Awesome. Um, So just to wrap up, and I think you've dropped some golden nuggets along this chat, but one piece of advice you would give freelancers in regards to IO35? Education. So on both sides. So that's for you as freelancers. Also to your clients, helping them understand the way that you work. Not so much the way that you know, you want, let's say what you want to work, but the way that you will work on that specific project once you know what the project is. Because it's all well and good saying, well, I work in this way. Well, that's all well and good, but if the client doesn't need you to do it that way, they need to do it in a different way, then maybe that doesn't work. So I think education, 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 and having the inside and outside rate. If you have that, if you know what they are, you've got less questions to answer. And you could be happy in the sense of, look, if I've got an if I've got an inside rate, the only thing different is I'm going to get taxed at source. My accountant's not going to pay my tax at the end. I'm not going to get taxed twice. I can still end up with the same amount of money. I just you know because you are going to you have to pay tax somewhere along the line. Yeah. So uh, you the know the roads that, don't come for free. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> so just having inside and outside rates. Yep. Cool. And then talk to us about you know Juno. How can we find you? What is the website? Uh, where can we find you on social? We love you know Juno. Just disclaimer: <laughs> we're not biased. We love and this. Your isn't like a, we got paid for this advertisement. It's genuine because you just make our lives so much easier. You do. You really, really do. Um, I actually took my very first freelance contract three years ago, almost like now, coming up in April. And it was through, you know, Juno, very, very first one. And it made my whole process of transitioning to freelance so much easier. The fact that you guys have the 14-day payment terms, 
um, just really helped me. And the on-hand chat bot <laughs> that yeah, actually right? is a so, real person after a while. Which yeah, is great. so we've got uh, it's one of now our larger teams within the business as well. So we've got a fantastic team behind that who, you know, we try and respond as quick as possible, yeah, and that's, that's coming down like now in terms of minutes. So that's fantastic, and it, it's great to hear stories like that and stuff. And we 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 that we. We're here for clients and for freelancers for both sides. We do our freelancer awards as well. Which yes, I think we got really nominated. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> nice, brilliant. Um, so, and obviously it's been difficult for the last couple of years because we haven't been able to do them. So we've done a couple of variations and stuff on that. But no, in terms of how people can find us, obviously the website, www.youknowjuno.com. And then on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, we are just at HQ, And obviously on LinkedIn, it's just youknowjuno. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been it's been eye opening and really helpful for us to chat to you about this massive topic that literally everyone messages us in and goes, "What about IR thirty five? So this is going to be awesome. Uh, every episode we end with a win sum and dim sum. Mm-hmm. Even though it is a Wednesday, it's always about like what has your week ended with. James, your win some cool. or dim some or both? So, well, I've, I've got two. Yeah, I have got a win some and I've got a... Good. Brilliant. Yeah, so Balance I've got a low one out. as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, on on the win, uh, parents' evening. My children's parents... Both my kids have parents' evening this week and uh, absolutely aced it. Oh, so, amazing. Which is amazing. To the point where Proud the death. teacher was telling us stuff and I just said, and what to work on? And they just said, nope, nothing. And I was like, whoa. You have golden so, kids. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's a huge. No, nothing done that's to a me. win to you as well. No, that's yeah. a win to you. It's my wife. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, on 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 the other side was that uh, my car's been written off and my boiler doesn't work. But other than that, everything is great. Oh my <laughs> gosh, <laughs> what happened? Double troubles. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. So so the car had an accident with a tree, um, but everyone's during fine. That, you, you, during no, that crazy storm. Okay. No, no. And then uh, my boiler broke yesterday, so oh, no. no heating. That's why I've escaped to the office. And my wife, who's a freelancer, she's stuck at home in the cold. And this is the thing that I fear the most with us going through this process of buying a house is when the boiler breaks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, having, like, I've got a friend, we've got a friend who's who's been very helpful to us. So, yeah, that's good. Oh, my God. Harriet, what is your win sum for this week? So my win sum is... I got named, actually it was a couple of weeks ago, but I went to see him um, a few days ago, but I got named the godmother of my cousin's son. So it's huge. And he is so amazing. And I hung out with him most of Sunday and it was, yeah, he's just a delight. So I feel really proud (laughs) in that sense. And what is your dim sum? Oh, I'm going to ask you what your win sum is. Oh, can we go win sum, win sum, dim sum, dim sum? So my win sum is that I was married for two years on, there was the, 29th of February, but we got married on leap year, so it was the 28th of February. We get the first of March. Or the first of March. So do you get? A, do you get? Do you, yeah? How do you do that then? Do you separate? Do you just? We just kind of pick a day. Whatever yeah. doesn't clash. Maybe if it falls on a weekend, so it's easier to do something. Nice. That's quite a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Pick and choose. Yeah. I know we're gonna go big every four years on <laughs> yeah, the real yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, you have to. But I actually we spent it by watching Harriet perform in a theatre. Um, theatre production so she has been doing this amazing theatre course um, wow. singing and dancing and other side of freelance yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, oh, they gave up their anniversary to come watch me <laughs> I felt I was like are you sure you want to do that I yeah. feel privileged yeah. I mean I, I was the maid of honour so yeah. I feel privileged <laughs> 
Um, and your dim sum? So I think my dim sum has to be the weather at the moment. Although today is beautiful, but it feels like the last week has just been Ice. icy, like oh. Arctic breeze freezing. Has it? Yeah, I, 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 that sounds weird that I don't know that. But I feel it like it's on like South that. African skin. <laughs> <laughs> South African, yeah. I'm just like I'm so over this. Yeah, uh, my dim sum would be calculating actually because we're doing this whole buying house story. I've been calculating how much I spend every month oh. and just seeing actually how much I waste on like coffee and just eating out. So I'm seriously going to need time to cut back. But it was a big eye opener, I think. It's a dim sum because you're like, whoa, but it's also a win sum because you need, need to control yourself. Invest in a coffee machine would be my advice. Well, that's what Brittany has. So, yeah, I did that yeah. during lockdown. I was just like, I miss my coffee so much. And then actually now I can have really nice coffee at home without, uh, you know, having the expenditure of, it takes a while to pay it, you know, yeah, to eat it out, but coffee's important. Eight months we worked out this morning. Did we did a calculation. It should work out about eight months of payments. That's yes. yeah, that's what it should be. Eight months out. of giving up buying coffee. So I'm like, okay, I'll okay, do, do that. No, you don't give up. No, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Buying coffee out. You just have it at home. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks. thank you so much, James. Thank you for having me. It has been wonderful chatting to you. You've opened our eyes and enlightened us. And, and hopefully I'm, our listeners too. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And yeah, thank you so much for making the time to chat with us. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show. Follow us on Instagram at That Freelance Life Podcast and drop us a DM if you've got any topics you'd like us to discuss or you got any questions. And if you'd like to hire us as a creative team, drop us a line, thatfreelancelifepodcast at gmail.com.